Uh, okay, so I know from the very beginning, I'm already going to start some controversy because I'm going to tell you what the best Christmas movie ever is. And it's by far the Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, I remember I watched this film, it came out in 1992, which was the year I was born, uh, but I watched it probably for the first time when I was six or seven years old, and I was just completely like in love with this film. Like I just loved the Muppets, and I just loved the Christmas Carol, I just loved everything about this film, and I remember I pretty much, I think for the last probably sad 31 years of my life, I've watched this like, almost like every other Christmas season uh, to watch this film, and I just always loved it. It's, like, it's, it's kind of like a mixture of like between like comedy, Muppets, you know, some great acting from Michael Caine, and it's just like a really great film and obviously I kind of know familiar with the whole story but I find that the Muppets have a very great twist on it because they've all these different musicals uh, in between different scenes and I just love like the opening scene where you have you know Michael Caine and he's kind of you know dressed up with a Victorian gown and he's walking down the streets of his you know British city and the old Muppets singing along this opening when a cold wind blows it chills you chills you to the bone but it's nothing so Nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. It paints you with indifference, like a lady paints with rogue. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed is the one that we call Scrooge. There goes Mr. Skinflint. There goes Mr. Greed, the undisputed master of the underhanded deed. He must be so lonely. He must be so sad. He goes to extremes to convince us he's bad. He's really a victim of fear and pride. And you see like Mr. Scrooge kind of, every interaction he has is just like a terrible interaction, right? He's, he's yelling at his workers, he's yelling at the neighbors, he's like, you know, kicking out charity off his door. Like, I mean, just kind of like a very, just like a very cold and bitter person. And he just like, again, constantly sort of like just isolating himself from everyone around him. And we call it all the story. We all kind of are at least familiar with it, but we know that on the night of Christmas Eve, he's in his apartment, and he's in, you know, kind of visited by these two ghosts, these the Marley brothers, who are his partners uh, in life and who are his business partners. And it's like, kind of scary, as, you know, as a seven-year-old, you see these kind of like ghostly figures, they come out with little chains coming out, and they're like screaming like, we're Marley and Marley, our hearts were painted black. We should have known our own evil deeds would put us in shackles. Captive bound, we're double iron, exhausted by the weight. As freedom comes from giving love, so prisons come from hate. We're Marley and Marley. Doomed Scrooge, you're doomed for all time. Your future is a horror story ridden by your crime. Your chains are forged by what you say and do. A nightmare waits for you. And during that one night, he's visited by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And the very first ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, takes him back down to memory lane. And you see him in his schoolyard, where again you see the, the seeds of his bitterness begin to be planted where he is so focused on schoolwork, so focused on hard work, he makes no friends. He's kind of an isolated figure. And you can see his schoolmaster kind of encouraging that. Like, yeah, don't make friends. You gotta be kind of like ahead of the game. You gotta work hard. You gotta make most money. Don't worry about, you know, this whole nonsense about relationships. Like, just put that to the side and just focus on work. And Mrs. Cruz goes on that path. And you can see again that bitterness beginning taking shape in his own life. And there's a great scene where he meets one person, his one love of life, Bell. 
And you see the, that this is the only person throughout the entire film that you see that gives Mr. Scrooge a smile. But even that relationship with her, he throws it away because they're having this one encounter on a snowy day. And it's there that Belle is being told by Mr. Scrooge that they have to postpone the engagement once again because business is bad. And Belle just simply looks at him and she's like, we're never going to get married. And Mrs. Scrooge, oh, yes, no, don't worry, we'll do it. This, this year is not a good year. And it's, like, it's always never a good year. And you can see right from then, like, the relationship begins to break apart. And as Mrs. Scrooge is seeing his whole past memories, his childhood, his lost love, he pleads to the ghost of Christmas past, please show me no more. Why do you delight in torturing me? And the ghost just simply says, these are the shadows of things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Again, another ghost appears in Mr. Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas present. And you see here, he visits all the different people around him in the current moment. And you see almost every single person has nothing good to say about Mr. Scrooge. His family doesn't have a good thing to say about him. The town people, people don't have anything good to say about him. His own workers have nothing good to say about him. And you can see that Scrooge is beginning to realize like, just how hated he is by everyone around him. But there's one great scene where he, he visits Bob Cratch's house. And it's such a great scene because it's there where you see Bob Cratch, who's probably like, like the most decent person you can imagine. He's there with uh, his wife, Mrs. Cratch, who's played by uh, Miss Piggy. <laughs> and it's there where he kind of brings Tiny Tim, they, you know, they're about to have their Christmas dinner. And all of a sudden, you know, you see that he's obviously, Bob Cratch is being underpaid. He's not, he's not being treated well by Mrs. Scrooge and he doesn't make a lot of money. And you can see that their whole Christmas meal is kind of a joke because they couldn't afford anything good. And you see that at that point where, you know, Bob Cratchit kind of, even though it's kind of like he's underpaid, even though he doesn't, you know, really have a great meal, he wants to make a toast to his employer and give thanks to everything that Mrs. Scrooge has done for him. And you can see uh, Mrs. Piggy or, you know, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Cratchit saying, oh yes, the founder of the feast indeed. If I had him here, I would give him a piece of my mind to feast upon and I bet he would choke on it. And, you know, Bob Cratch is kind of calmer down. Okay, okay, I get it. Like, you know, he doesn't pay me well, but we shouldn't say such things in front of the kids. And you can see Miss Piggy kind of sarcastically saying, yes, I suppose on the blessed day of Christmas, one must toast to the health of Mr. Scrooge, even though he's odious, stingy, wicked, and unfeeling, and badly dressed. And even though Miss uh, Piggy is kind of going his rant, you see Tiny Tim right there. And he kind of interrupts his mom and he says, no, to the founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. And of all the characters in that room, only Tiny Tim, that little kid, that little boy with, a, with kind of like, you know, with a broken leg, is the only one who's actually able to see any gratitude in this situation. And you can see Mr. Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas present in, outside the window. And you can see Mr. Scrooge is looking at this tiny kid, and he's just so amazed by him. And then, of course, the lyrics goes on by saying, you know, where Tiny Tins begins to sing, saying, life is full of sweet surprises. Every day is a gift. The sun comes up, and I can feel it lift my spirit, fills me up with laughter, fills me up with song. I look in the eyes of love, and know that I belong. 
Let's always love each other. Lead us to the light. Those words of Tiny Tim melts Mrs. Scrooge's cold and bitter heart. But he still has one more ghost to visit. And this is perhaps the most scariest one of all, especially as a seven-year-old. You see that the ghost of Christmas yet to come appears, and Mrs. Scrooge finds himself in this kind of cold, wintry cemetery. And it's almost like for like, I remember like as a kid, this was like probably like the most scariest scene I've ever saw. It was like, he's in the cemetery. You just see like the ominous clouds surround the cemetery. And this ghost of Christmas yet to come appears almost like a grim reaper. Doesn't say a single word. All you see is hood. You can barely even see his face. I was so like terrified as a seven-year-old seeing this. But it was like almost like tattooed in my mind when I saw that scene. And you see the ghost uh, show, he doesn't say a single word, but the ghost of Christmas yet to come takes Mr. Scrooge throughout the town. And at this point, he now had passed away, Mrs. Scrooge, and now he, Mrs. Scrooge meets all the people now talking about him after his death. And again, no one misses him. No one is mourning for him. It was as if he never existed and life moved on. And then it's that final scene where the ghost brings him to his tombstone and Mrs. Scrooge is on his knees begging Please, spirit, no, I'm not the man I was. Why would you show me if I'm a man beyond all hope? I promise I will honor Christmas. I will live my life in the past, present, and future. And you see, all of a sudden, Mrs. Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, a completely changed man. And there he sings on the street saying, well, I've met someone who touched my soul and made my world brand new. There's a part of me, a place inside that now belongs to you. The love we found, the love we found, we carry with us so we're never quite alone. It's true. Wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. You might say to me, look, Father Dom, okay, that's a nice story, right? That's, that's a cool story. We've all watched it. We've all heard this before, right? But what's the point? And look, I'm not saying Mr. Scrooge exists today, and there's like no, I don't think there's any like guy on you know Times Square, you know, dressed up as a Victorian guy and saying a bah humbug on the streets from Times Square. Maybe there is, I don't know, but I don't think so. But yet, I think the spirit of Mr. Scrooge is everywhere. So many broken and lonely hearts. How many conversations have you had, literally, I think, in the past three years? And whenever we talk about the future, I highly doubt anyone has ever said an optimistic thing about the future. Almost every time I talk to someone, it's almost like, oh my God, the world's falling apart, it's disaster, it's like everything's, you know, mental health crisis, and the wars in Ukraine, the wars in Israel, and it's like, and we just think like all these different disasters for our whole life, and, and how many of us we see so many people just obsessed about all their different possessions, all the amount of money, the greed that we see everywhere in the culture? I mean, it's everywhere. Look, I'm not saying like, there's no literal Mrs. Rude, but we see his spirit roaming in all of us. Maybe that's why we all relate to Mr. Scrooge. We've all felt his anger, his loneliness, his despair, his emptiness. Even if it's not within yourself, you've seen it in others.
We've all felt the shadows of Mrs. Scrooge. We've all had moments in our lives where the love is truly gone and we're left holding cold and bitter hearts. But this is what's so beautiful about the church. Because what does the church do every single year? She's like the ghost of Christmas past. Year after year after year, the church repeats the story of that first Christmas. It's almost like a time-traveling machine. She always takes us back every year to that first Christmas. And you think today is dark? Look at that first Christmas. Look at what was going on back then. King Herod was after Jesus. He was slaughtering innocents. There was no room in the inn. Mary's in labor. Joseph is panicking. Israel's conquered by Romans. It's nothing new. Nothing new. And his times were as dark as any other generation. But that's exactly what Jesus does. That's where he goes. And how does he come in those times of darkness in these generations? Not with an army of angels, no earthquakes, nor lightning. How does he come? He comes as an infant. The image of a child is precisely that image of Christ in the manger, that he becomes a light to shine in the darkness of all human history, past, present, and future. The church takes us to the past, to reveal to us the present moment that the Jesus who came in the darkness 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus who comes to us in the present. Yes, in the present darkness, in all the shadows of Mr. Scrooge. And again, he will not come to us with an army of angels. He will not come as a theophany. He will not come with earthquakes and lightnings. How does he come to us? I think he comes to us as Tiny Tim comes to Mr. Scrooge those little God moments that we all have in our life. And yeah, maybe they don't make it to the New York Times. Maybe you're not going to see broadcasts on CNN or anywhere newscast. But we all have them. I know I do. Trust me. Like, the last five years, I mean, trust me, it's not been kind of sunshine and flowers every some moment, right? That's true in the politics. That's true in the culture. That's definitely true in the church as well. We see it all around us, the darkness. And I know in my own life how many times I've prayed and said to myself, God, Jesus, like, I don't, I don't have this figured out. Like, I'm still a mess. Even though after all many years of praying, praying to you, growing my faith, trying to grow in holiness, I'm still a mess. I still deal with the same struggles I've been dealing for all my life. And I, I bet some of you all can relate to that too. But one thing I have noticed, especially in those dark times, how I began to see those little tiny moments. Even today, I was doing a Eucharist procession in the school, and there was like this little tiny little kid. I mean, literally, like I think it was like three or four years old. And as I'm going around the hallway, even though this kid probably had very little knowledge of anything was going on, he just started pointing to the monster and said, it's Jesus. <laughs> and I remember my heart was just like absolutely melting. In a world where faith seems to be disappearing, in a world where so many people are becoming so indifferent to religion and faith and all these different things, here I was, seeing this tiny kid see Christ. And yeah, maybe it's not going to solve all our problems. Maybe the, you know, we have all these different issues. But I look at that and I think to myself, that's a God moment. That's a tiny Tim moment. 
And they think that's where we have to find the light in these times. They're there. I promise you, God is shining light and grace in your life as we speak. Look, we all have ghosts in our past. I'm still, I'm sure you're struggling with ghosts in the present, and trust me, there are probably more ghosts in the future. I don't know your past. I don't know where you, how, where you are right now. And I certainly don't know your future. I know we have all many reasons to be angry, to only see the darkness. But maybe this Christmas season, take a step back. Look, and look at your past. Look at your present and the future. But don't look at it through the shadows of Mr. Scrooge. See it through the light of faith. God is writing your story. And what is the story of every human meant to be? It's meant to be a love story. How we have fallen in love with God because he has first loved us. So as we pray together, bring your ghosts, bring your history, bring all the shadows and darkness of Mr. Scrooge. Because that's exactly where Jesus wants to be. Why? Because I think in some way what he wants to reveal to you and I is that no culture is beyond hope. No generation is beyond hope. No one is beyond hope. He wants your mess. Let him in. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to know the tremendous gift of Christ's love for you. And in this blessed sacrament, it is here that he's gazing upon you with you with love all your shadows, all your light, all your suffering, all your joys, all your conflicts, and all your aspirations. Receive that gaze of his love. And with the tiny words of Tiny Tim, I look in the eyes of love, and I know that I belong. Let's always love each other. Lead us to the light.